are listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API. Now from the Nowcast Network Studios, here's Mike. Hey, welcome to the Audio Nowcast. My name is Mike Rodriguez. And before we get going, let me introduce the guys. Over here on my right, we've got the one and only Bobby Osinski. Hey, Mike. Hi, guys. Hello. <laughs> Wait, what was that voice I heard? Well, before we get to that, <laughs> next to him, we've got the one and only Scott Gershon. Hi, Mike. Scott, it's good to see you. Hi, Mike. Sorry, you're going to have to tell us about uh, the GDC a little oh, bit. Yeah. See what's happening there. And finally, next to him, well, actually not finally, and next to him, Eventually we've got <laughs> <laughs> we've got a good friend, Mr. Bobby Summerfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, lads. Nice to be back. It's so good to see you, buddy. It's really good to see you. You've all aged about a year since I've seen you. <laughs> How long has it been? Long. Has it been a year? One year since in person, yeah. No. One year oh, in my goodness. Yeah. Scary, right? Wow. And across the table from him, we've got Mr. Brandon Birdside. Brandon! What's up, Mike? What's up, guys? It's Ready. good to see you, Brandon. Good Brandon, you can pull that mic okay. close to you. Um, he was doing the Elvis right there. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and finally, next to me on my left, the one and only Iron Man of the Audio Nowcast. This is show number 173, Rob Arbiter. Hello, everyone. And Hi. I'm here in person I yet know. again. You're here in person. Pretty crazy. That's pretty awesome. And today we have an amazing guest. And uh, Bobby, since you brought the guest, I want you to introduce him. I will do it. My pleasure, actually. A mate of mine and a good English lad. His name's Jess Jackson. He's a great producer, engineer, and a tech nerd as well. So Jess Jackson is here. Jess, welcome. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Another Englishman. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I said there were anyone to talk to me. I know. Americans are lying on top of you. Sorry. <laughs> well, uh, um, Jess Jackson has a ton of credits. He's been a DJ and he's a producer and he's worked with Chris Brown and Tyga and just a bunch of people. And um, we're going to uh, visit with him on the second half of the show. But thank you for joining us, you know. Thanks. And uh, right off the bat, guys, this is show 173. We're going to wrap up 10 years with this show. Can you believe that? Our next show, we're going to have our 10-year anniversary show. But 10 years podcasting it's pretty amazing i mean think of some of the changes that that we've uh, had in these past 10 yeah. years amazing. um so uh the next show we'll we'll do all our reminiscing and all our um you know crying and hugging and all that <laughs> <laughs> hey and, i want to barbecuing there you go and a barbecue it's gonna be a pretty fun party um but before we start anything and start talking about um you know some of the topics that we have to talk about i want to talk a little bit about you know we lost some pioneers we've mentioned some on um, some of the other podcasts um but um, one that was the most recent that was actually pretty um, prolific, um, well, we lost Sir George Martin, and that was, that was just huge. Uh, and, you know, he was the Beatles. He just, he was, it was just amazing. He took producing to a different level. Um, and then the other one was, um, was Keith Emerson. And Keith Emerson, for me, was, was just an inspiration. It, it, he got me to, like electronic music he got me to like um to like all the wires and the cables and you see you know great videos of him with uh playing his modular system and and all those knobs and it was just it really was he lit a fire for me to want to get into electronic music to want me to get into music and uh i don't know i just it was he started a lot of this stuff and isn't it ironic it's all kind of coming back to modular because the eurorack stuff is huge right and that kind of started the whole thing and i'm actually i was thinking about 
you know, I think I'd like to get a little Eurorack system set up, you know, and and it's just was just all amazing how it's all just kind of coming full circle. I don't know. Did you guys? Yeah, can I ask a question of Rob? Actually, was Keith Emerson a uh, an influence on Stevie? Stevie Wonder? No, I know who you mean. <laughs> no, I know who you, I know who you mean, but just. For those who are listening. No, I was actually going to remain mum on this because I, I wasn't really a fan at all. I appreciated that he had an influence, but I, I, I can't say that he was any kind of influence on Stevie or me. I don't know. I mean, I wasn't around in the 70s with Stevie when – I know they there was some gear in common that they bought that was like crazy esoteric keyboard weirdness that was you know dozens of thousands of dollars, so there were a few people on earth who could buy it. Like the Dream Machine, I think Keith Emerson bought one of the four on Earth, and Stevie bought two of the four on Earth. <laughs> and I forget who had the third one. And Stevie still has both of his. I don't know where the other two are, but there were only four of them ever made. And I think Keith Emerson had one. But other than that, I don't remember uh, any interaction between them. So wait, you're saying you're not a fan of progressive rock? <laughs> I prefer music. <laughs> he, he does like Rush, though. It's his favorite band. Yeah. So everybody's saying your favorite Rush tunes That's to right. Rob. <laughs> hey, I was just going to remain quiet. Bobby decided to open the can of worms. I was going to be respectfully quiet. Now, I mean, George Martin, there's somebody who influenced everybody. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, look, the thing about... Keith Emerson, though, is back in the day, I mean, he was before my time, but you watched, you know, you saw him in like Keyboard Magazine, you saw him on some of the covers, and you just saw his setup, and it just looked cool, you know? <laughs> and then you heard some of those those pieces of music, and it's just like, oh, this is this is cool, you know? It's just. He had massive getting, technique. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's one of the reasons he was very, you know, sad. He couldn't really. Have that technique? Yeah, yeah, right. Well, he could play the organ. I mean, if just just the regular organ, it was just amazing. Some of the solos that he could do, and and um, he was just a. You look at some of the the videos of them in concert and how aggressive he plays. He was a very aggressive keyboard player. But you know, even in that era, I mean, actually, I was an ELP fan and Keith Emerson. Different, of course. You know, we've had this conversation for ten years. Yes, and uh, but you know what it is. You know, rock has had many influences, whether it's African and, and different cultures from Paul Simon. I mean, a lot of that was orchestral rock. When you look at Yes and Genesis and ELP and a lot of that stuff, it wasn't like taking the out-of-tune guitars and playing and singing over it, which is pretty big right before they came out. Right. So when you look at a lot of the bands, they had influences, even Queen, uh, with sort of operatic. So a lot of these people took... Uh, other influences that uh, orchestral and progressive, what they called, and then uh, and I thought it was great. I thought it was it's a it's a landmark part of history right. of rock music, which has had so many iterations. You know, Jess, were you ever into progressive rock or any of that? <laughs> <laughs> why, why is everyone laughing? <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's, it's interesting because I, I grew up with um, you know, my dad and Jimmy Page and a, a bookshop together. So back in the 60s, so I grew up with, um, with, with my dad and him playing guitar in our living room. Really? And, um, and, it, and it was like, it was something that I rebelled against growing up as a teenager. Cause, well, yeah, I mean, you know. It's what your dad kid. did, you know? Yeah, it's what my dad did, so I wanted to be a DJ. Right. You know what I mean? I wanted to go electro- electronic music and yeah. do the other thing, you know, because it's like fucking, you know, that guitar shit's for old folks. Yeah. And then as I got older, it's like, damn, I wish I fucking learned how to play the guitar. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I was, yeah, I, I'm very much into like, you know, 
in, into rock music, but I don't know what pro- what's progressive rock. What's, pro- what's progressive very very. Rock? Uh, you wouldn't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, R- Rush and ELP would be considered ELP. progressive. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know Rush. Some, yeah. I, I'm yeah. Not, not really been a fan, to, to yeah. be honest with you, but yeah, yeah. Some Good man. <laughs> You're on the right side of the table, Jess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, at least I... Uh... He's a DJ, he won't like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyhow, it was, it was, it was a, a sad passing. And, yeah, um, definitely. And we definitely lost a, a legend. Um, we're going to move on um, to a couple of things. One thing is, uh, on our last podcast, we talked a little bit about the iPad, because I had got an iPad Pro, and I've been trying out different stuff and, and the workability and it's still it's almost there it's getting better um audio units there are more audio units out but um i i got this uh digital delay that's really kind of cool i think it's called the rp1 um that is an audio unit as well as a standalone and it's it's pretty brilliant it sounds really good. Wait a and second. It's, it's, it's a standalone digital delay? What, well, what good use, is that? Well, it can use, you can use inter-app audio busing. Standalone okay. meaning it's an app. Okay. But it also works as a, as a audio unit. That's, it's pretty cool. It's getting there. I mean, they're trying. They're trying. It's still, it's still not there. You can, you can create, but as far as doing production, I mean, I'm pulling for it because it's, it's such a cool – concept to have it all right there and the prices are so reasonable and you can pick this delay up for like you know six it's like bucks. getting a bicycle with a motor on it just go buy a car no i have a car <laughs> it's like it's like look it rides but and it's know, faster it's, it's no, working listen you know? you've got you've got but you can create sounds and music with the multi-touch and with the interfaces that you'll never do yeah as a controller way. it's great but to, I, I have to admit taking an ipad and doing full production on it it's novel, but again, why? Look, look, it's not there yet. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to convince you otherwise. But it's getting. But it's a multi-touch controller. It's getting, Ooh. it's getting close. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty close though. I mean, you've got, you've got drum machines now that are amazing. You've got your uh, MPC that's on it. I mean, there's, it's getting there. You know, if you have all these tools, you might as well get a place to put them all together. And, and it's it's not the end all, but it's definitely a, a convenient place to, to Yes, but I think Rob has the best use for an iPad Pro that I've heard in a long time. No. <laughs> yeah. Using it as a second monitor when you travel. That's, yeah. that's fabulous. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, with air display. Yeah. yeah. I've actually got my iPad Pro sitting right Yeah. Okay, well. As a second screen, it's, it's truly awesome. What's yeah. the latency like? It's it's okay. I mean, you wouldn't want to like span a video across two screens, but for you know, I'm using it for coding and stuff. It's it's great for that. It's you know, for just setting up office stuff and web surfing and that it, it works fine. Wait, you're coding on it? I'm coding on it, but I use it just even if I'm not coding, if I'm just running a bunch of different applications, it's it's nice. Anything that has to be fast, I'll put on the main screen. But if I want to have like an instruction manual up on a second screen right. or... Uh, so you type on, the, on your main screen though, because I'm sure the latency, the keyboard typing is more responsive on the main screen, obviously. Yeah, yeah. You type on the main screen and it's just like extra screen real but estate. You type but I mean, so it's fast such a big screen. screen. Ever f- Catch up to you? Yes, it does. Okay. Yes, it is fast. Enough. He's the fast type. <laughs> well, it's, look, it's, <laughs> it's not. Really we won't go on this tangent because we've got this tangent. <laughs> we, we've hit it many times often. before. Yeah, oh, right. but I, I found that little digital delay. I thought it was good. I just wanted. What's to it called? RP one. It's called. Yeah, I think it's called RP one. I will say the funniest thing you can do with an iPad Pro, and I'm demonstrating this here, is hold it up to your phone like you're using it as a phone. <laughs> hold it up to your ear. 
Because it's absolutely gigantic. <laughs> oh, just freak people out. Yeah. Awesome. Just walk around like it's no big deal. Yeah, it's just my phone. That is a big ass iPhone. I like it now the concerts people just hold up the giant, instead of cameras, they open up their iPads. Well, I think I said that on a previous podcast. Isn't yeah, that Louis C.K. who said a concert is something you watch uh, on the phone of the person in front of you? Yeah. <laughs> It's right. pretty much true these days. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll, we're just we're just going to eye that and we'll we'll table that for <laughs> to the next podcast. Anyhow, moving on. Um, you what? know what else makes a good digital delay? What a digital, digital delay. delay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of that, Isotope came out with a digital delay that they gave away for free for a while, mm-hmm. and, and now yeah. you could buy it, and it's like. I think it's like 150 bucks, and they were giving wow. it away. Much like uh, the ultra. But it's, well, wait, what's cool about the delay though? It's a spectral delay, so you can choose frequency bands that you like and delay those bands. Yeah. And that all of a sudden, from a sound design standpoint, yeah, goes into some very cool places. Yeah. It's kind of like what Spectron was in the day. Well, it's yeah. kind of like Slapper too. From uh, you like Slappers. From Cargo Cult, that was uh, that's a great delay too. We've talked about that. Those guys are awesome. Um, moving forward. Um, Speaking of uh, DAWs and stuff like that, is anybody here going to go to Avid Connect? Um, <laughs> I still want to go. I'm going to be at the NAB, and I was like, oh, man, should I go? Should I, especially if they have an open <laughs> mic for questions and answers. Oh, It's like Avid's the only company I know that won't give you any response until you pay the $600 to go to their big Avid Connect Is, is this the conference where they reveal the question mark after Avid Everywhere? <laughs> it's six hundred bucks to get in. Are you yeah, kidding? It's, me? it's a couple hundred bucks. It's I don't know if it's six. It's like three or six. Yeah, One yeah. of those two. They used to be conventions that were free, and now you got to pay to go. It's right. But this is to keep you out. <laughs> I know. But this is to go to sort of help them do their job. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, I the whole yeah. It, it's hundreds of dollars to go to connect with a company that you buy. Their products for thousands of dollars for it's 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 just ridiculous. It's a way. How can you keep give, giving me more money? We'll do subscription. We'll yeah. do paid conventions. We'll do. It's everything, but can you just come up with good stuff? Yeah, can you just improve the just product? Just give them a new end of NFR. They should get it right then. Like okay, that's how we should well, do. Did, did yeah. you see their their, um, their annual statement came out last week, week before? Oh, I didn't see it. Yeah, and and they lost money again. Uh, the one thing that was significant that was up was their other products, which is basically subscriptions and things like that. And and you could tell they're dovetailing. So hardware and everything is going down and subscriptions are going up. So you can see where they're, they're, they're positioning themselves. I know you can now do input monitoring on the non-HD version of Pro Tools. Oh, that's brilliant. That only took I know iPad. <laughs> I was it's so I get so angry because they uh, to cripple a product with basic features and now that you're giving them to us it's like we're supposed to be so thankful oh thank you thank yeah, you yeah they're uncrippling it basically yeah. maybe it's one day just, they come up with folders <laughs> no, <laughs> no that's not useful okay you know on the other go ahead I, I have a question who is on version twelve I have one machine I am. That is, but uh, mostly using 11. And for the people listening, there's four people. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and I'll say that I was on 11 for a while. What got me to 12 was I actually was running out of uh, internal buses. Because when I start doing Atmos in 7.1, you blast through those pups really fast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And next thing I know, I just, you know, I had this hard cap. 
And I wasn't running out of voices. I was running out of buses. Wow. Yeah. And uh, because I'm doing lots of auxes and I'm doing lots of stuff, a lot of returns. And I just said, you know what? Once I start hitting Atmos, God, I got to get re- I just need, I need more. Yeah. Not more tracks, just more buses. My reason for upgrading wasn't nearly so romantic like for a cool feature. It's just that I was installing on a new computer with El Capitan and it was the only thing that was going to work. Uh. Does El Capitan work? Is that worth upgrading to? No. Uh, oh, you in 12. You in 12. It's been yeah. fine. Yeah, computer yeah, anyway. I mean, it seems to be fine. That machine I'm not pushing very hard, so it's been fine. Okay. I, I've only heard bad stories about it from everybody. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah I have too. But I do have one question, which I've heard, I've heard all across the board, and that is El Capitan Pro Tools 12, uh, you can't shut the computer off. Then why would you? you, know, you, like when, you <laughs> when you say shut down or restart, it doesn't. Huh. And I heard, well, you go in the terminal, oh. and, you, and I'm like, oh, crap. Suda. Yeah, run this best script. <laughs> uh, I it has to I'm, do with Avid. I'm running 12 on, uh, on Yosemite, 12.4, and it's actually pretty darn stable. The I, only time I, I've heard is, though, the fades, there is an automation problem in 12.4 that if you start um, – oh, God, what was it? If you start uh, changing the sync of the frames – it screws up your automation. You know, I don't fade. So I, I just keep everything is loud. Yeah, 12.3 is better. It doesn't have that bug in it. Huh, I didn't know that. I haven't come across it, but yeah, 12.4 has been working really good. So and they're going to do Pro Tools 12. 13, though? You know, kind of like their 13 number, they're going to straight 14. I don't know. But I got 12.4 um, because I was do- I'm doing a lot of DTS X stuff. Um, and um, like Scott, you need a lot of buses, and you need because uh, you're bussing stuff all over, and you're doing audio beds, and you're doing audio objects, and, and it's just it's getting really complicated. Not that, but not that it's the, fun. Um, to speak to Bo- Bobby's point, not that the stock market is anything any reference to any company, but Avid is down about eighty percent this year. Yeah, it's rolling around is a fifty-two week low, which is generally not a good sign for a productive company and the PE is like way up in the air so it looks like it's got to go a long way to go which wow. wouldn't bode well and the market cap of the company is 206 208 million dollars right now which is which is not much for for a you know worldwide company yeah. media company so they better start growing otherwise you know the investors are going to start pulling the plug and they yeah. have to do other things with their end users to get some money that was Rob's iPad Pro right there. It was certainly not. <laughs> I don't know what that sound was. Um, yeah, that's it's. Wow, we've done shows on 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 Avid. It's it's kind of like, in one way, you think it's just about to die, but they're you know they don't. They just keep going. And, and yet, on the other hand, come on, Pro Tools. Nobody's come. You know, there are no Pro Tools killers out there quite yet. You know, they're working on it, but they're not quite there. You know, when you say so. Pro Tools killers, do you, what do you mean exactly? I mean, other than the popularity. It's been a while since you've been here, hasn't it? Yeah. No, no, I'm just saying. <laughs> what, no are you, what are you using now? No, I'm using Uendo, Uendo. Seven. But I, I mean, I have an old version of Pro Tools Nine. Actually, Jess came over the other day and he was showing me some stuff in Pro Tools. What it does, and it's great. It does really nice stuff. And, and you're on what? Um, uh, Ten and eleven. 10 and all, yeah. If I had my choice, I would be, still be back on 10, honestly, because that was solid. It was great. Yeah, I just I can't afford to like, have a hiccup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Yeah. So, so you're, you, you said you're on 10? 10, yeah, mainly, yeah. All right, well, hey, we're going to move on from that. But, yeah, so I take it that's a no for Avid Connect from everybody. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> Maybe if they paid us. 
Well, I'm going to NAB, so and I'm actually going to be there right at, when that ends. And Wait, I'm like, there too. Yeah, I'm there too. Uh, I, I, might be there, I might be there as well. <laughs> oh. Hey, meetup. I'm sensing a meetup in NAB. Um, Could happen. Hey, uh, I want to talk to you guys really quick before we take a break. Um, and, and I'm going to rearrange a few things because uh, we're going to move this over to here. Um, you guys have any good tips on, on adding punch to a project, you know, at, to making your hits come alive um, without killing your compressor if you have a, a bus compressor? Anybody have any yeah. really good? Yep. Bobby. Digital or analog? Uh, digital, right, obviously. Digital, digital yeah. I think, I think a lot of people don't use enough parallel processing and i know it's it's getting more and more popular i mean i say that it's been popular for 35 40 years but um in digital world a lot of people don't use parallel processing in in at to its fullest a lot of people do gentle stuff with it but you can have multiple parallel devices going meaning compressors or whatever it is including eq or, or whatever uh, running next to your track and you can add punch in such a way and automate the punch in such a way that it's really pleasurable if you're doing like a typical pop track yeah with it with a with, uh, if you spank a compressor in a certain and would have the adsr you know the attack and decay on the compressor yeah. be at certain times you can actually change the feel of the track that of the compression right the, the speed you know the the timing of the rhythm of what's being played and you can actually add that and it becomes a, an additive comb filtering sort of sound which is it really adds a lot of punch and and, and elevates your rms your, your loudness rather quite uh, quite considerably so you without get, without, without the phase it. yeah exactly it's got to be phase you know coherent and i'm talking i do it in nuendo and i know it works in pro tools very well um, but that's that's really one of the key key things, and that's an old school. We we all do yeah, old, old, yeah. old days. We used to be called New York Compression at one stage, right? And uh, basically, no, no, wait, I coined that term. Did you really? I coined that term in my first uh, mixing engineer's handbook. Wow! Yes, it's brilliant. Well, well done. That's, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Well, and it was because it was popular in those. Obviously That's right. Exact all the New York guys did it. Well, they did, and it was to get volume because you know we all know what putting serial when you pass a signal through a compressor, right? It, it can depending on the compressor, but it can sort of squash it a bit yeah, or, make it, or change the sound yeah. of it, make it not sound as good. Yeah. But if you actually spank it and have a parallel and have two and three, I actually Jesse the other day I was doing a little bit of work with him and I showed him my little template and I have twenty two parallel processors <laughs> running next to a track. That's a beating. That's now, not a spanking. No, but they're not all on, they're not all on at the same time. But I automate them and I crossfade them in, and it's it's a it's a so you run, thing. So do you bust to that, or do you actually everything copy goes and to paste? Every, no, I bust to it. You bust and, to it. and are you combining a little bit of dry with wet? Always. Uh, yes. No, no, no. All the compressors are completely wet. All the processes. Right, but you put some dry back into it. Y- yes, and it's, well, it's parallel. It's parallel. The, the original one yeah. is, sure. is is dry, but everything else gets a little. A the, little the original one is dry, and all the all the processings are completely wet, full effect. And then I can I can change the balance, you know. And the very nice thing is, you know, you can. You, there's some really cool stuff, you know. You just have a compressor, two identical compressors. It's digital. It's and, not, and and latency issues. You're you're working through those. Because well, the, um, in, I use New Endo and it, it calculates the. Yeah, delay. just do delay compensation. Delay comp- Pro Tools would do. Yeah. yeah. Delay compensation. Uh-huh. You, you know what else? There, there, <laughs> there's something else too. If you want punch, I think a lot of times people use too too high a compression ratio, and if you stay at you know one point five to one, two to one, 
uh, it tends to snap a little bit more than if you go three to one, four to one, you know, and more. Yeah. The other thing is the attack time. If the attack time is uh, such that you let the transient get through rather than, than squashing it, and then you'll find that it will snap a little bit more. It'll be more aggressive. Well, that's where I was. I was actually working um, on a mix. Uh, actually, I was helping a guy with a, with his mix, and he was he was compressing the bejeebies about it, and trying to thicken it up, and then you know raising the makeup to to kind of get more mm. volume. And I'm I'm like, mm. dude, you're gonna get more mush. You kind of yeah. we need to at least hear that attack, yeah. the, that the first part. He's killing of the it. snap. Exactly. Yeah, he's, he's killing the transient. It's, it's yeah. taking the taking. But that, the that's where I saw like use it. Uh, I'm kind of a multi band freak. Yeah. Because oh, there you go. I like rather than just having. One compressor or something do every frequency. Every frequency wants to be something different. Right. So by doing multiband stuff, I, I, I love it. But look, really quick, I'll get I'll get to you. But I was going to ask you um, specifically, like when you're working with gunshots and working with really plosive sounds that have a gnarly attack and then are just a really aggressive. Do you guys? I mean, how do you keep the control? But but. But still hear the, the gunshot. It depends on the frequency. I mean, a lot of times I'm manufacturing a lot of stuff. It's not like just take one recording. I got to control 3K because that hurts. I got to push the low end up because that's the, the chest hit. Um, and then I, I carve. I mean, I'm constantly carving out frequencies, pushing frequencies. And a lot of stuff I do is, is combinations of multiband compression, hmm. EQing, combining other elements that just adds like – even the old the old Hollywood trick is a celery snap, you know. You just and it's all you want. You just want that little transient. You pop that thing in there in the right place, and then I think a NASCAR by, you know. And then all of a sudden you've got this great gunshot. It's a NASCAR, so celery crack, and then you got the gunshot. <laughs> and then and the thing is, when I record a gun, it's not one mic, right? I've got like sixteen mics. Yeah. So then I said that mic's like. Uh, I'll use like a fathead, a cascade fathead that gives a little bit of, you know, how you use the mics and what kind of compression that happens on the mics is a sound. It's the same way I, I mic my, my drums, I uh, mic guns like people mic drums. And because, you know, it's the same thing. It's a big percussive hit. And then I'll take stuff. I'll take like contact mics and I'll put it on the, the, the barrel of the gun to get the, the little clack. And you take it. And you play Frankenstein, and then you start delaying things. Hmm. And you start building delaying. And then it's got to sound like a really cool gunshot. But the reality is guns are really hard because if you play them at the volume that you want to, you're now deaf. <laughs> so it's huge dynamic range. I mean, I know on like the JFK gun that I created, yeah. the JFK the movie, um, it took me like a week to create that. Why? Because Kevin Costner is speaking really low. And, and I'm like, okay, i got to get a gunshot. Like the gunshot below Kevin Costner whispering. <laughs> you know, and then I got to do the delays, and Oliver's like, I don't want to know where it came from. So every time the gunshot happened, it delayed in a different part of the room. But then what we did was we did a clack for Daily Plaza, and I, Plaza, Plaza, you know, and my New York's coming up. And um, then all of a sudden, I figured out the rhythm, and it took delays and created delays in different speakers to have the exact same delay. As Daily Plaza. Huh. 
so it actually has a rhythm to it. You just gave awesome. away all your secrets. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. All right. Never mind. <laughs> and then with the celery, do you make a Bloody Mary after this? <laughs> 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 Rob, you did say. Yeah, I, was, I have another tip, but I was going to say, a couple uh, weeks ago, I was driving through Dallas, and I had no idea where I was, and I found myself in Dealey Plaza. And it freaked me out. Like, I, I was just on my way to the airport. I turned a corner, and I think this looks familiar. And I was exactly where JFK had been shot. She wow. saw Scott wow. with a tight measurement. <laughs> <laughs> and Scott was there uh, with a breaking celery. My tip uh, for adding punch, it's more of a musical thing. But um, a lot of times, if I want something to cut through and it's a very dense mix, I'll add some really high-frequency attack to it, often with another sound, like layering another sound. And that trick... It's actually something I, I came up with in orchestration originally, like uh, for the Godzilla trailer. There was so much noise going on in the trailer. Thank you, Scott. Uh, <laughs> this is a long time ago, but uh, Scott's company had done the sound design. I was doing the music. And one of the tricks I did to get the music to punch through was I would put a high piccolo sweep on every big impact, just like a, <laughs> you know, really, really high, though, like as high as the piccolo could do it. And it was not very loud. But when you would A, B it with and without that, yeah. it sounded twice as loud with hmm. it. Yeah. And it's not just a static note. It's just like a zzz, you know, as high as a piccolo can go. What did the piccolo but, player think when he looked it, at the score? It was a she. She thought it was a really boring part, <laughs> yeah. actually. It was just yeah. like, but, but there were no you, actual notes. It was all smooth. Yeah, yeah. But even what you said, I think, though, uh, I do so many mixes between sound effects and music that everybody feels like they have to fill in all the dead space. They, they, the pads and everybody's just mushing and 400 hertz is just maxing out there. And sometimes having contrast, having the maturity and the mastery well, that punch. to just have a little bit of silence and everything is clearer and more punchy oh, that's, that's and, and rather just, that's good. you know. That's a great tip. Hey, Brandon, you're a Mr. Uh, punch and, yeah, and Everything hit. that these guys said is exactly right. I use all those tricks. Um, but along the, the lines of parallel processing, instead of compression, sometimes distortion instead mm. of that. So you've got, you know, your low bassy stuff, it, it sits there. But if you, you want that real chest punch, you know, yeah. whatever, to sit on top of that, to do what you guys are talking about with that more high-frequency stuff, you really add, just crunch it with something. It's so not, what do you like to crunch it with? What, what's uh, your, uh, I'll use lots of different things. Um, the uh, Isotope Trash and Trash 2 has some interesting stuff. The... Uh, the the Wow Filter uh, Two actually has some good sugar crunchy bites. yeah sugar bites good crunchy distortion on there that hmm. I'll like I love that as a filter but I'll I'll mess around with that as distortion Camel Audio as well. is pretty fun too yeah Camel, 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 Camel did that company go out of business I feel like they got no they got oh, Bob Camel Bob 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 yeah Camel Audio yeah, yeah, what's really pretty good is Metric Halo they've got a thing called uh, you know Metric Halo stuff yeah. obviously yeah. It's, they're my favorite plug but uh, um, uh, um, they got a plug called Character. And it's pretty cool, and it makes uh, it's it's quite subtle if you put it in series, pass your stuff through it. But if you use it as a parallel, it's really nice. It's got a nice like. Uh, that's um, that's pretty awesome, Jess. Do you have any? Uh, do you have any little secrets you want to part with when you I mean, need to yeah. pull out some bass or or get a little snap on that snare? I, I, you know, come from from my angle, what what I, what I do is uh, my speciality is punch, isn't it? You know, for for hip hop, you know, yep. making everything smack in the club the loudest it can be. So um, most of the time, I, I, I don't rely on plugins or anything in the box for that. You know, I, we, I come out and go through uh, MPCs or SP twelve hundreds, ASR tens, and um, and 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 I've got a little system where like I tweak the input gain, you know, and, and oversaturate the input transformers a little bit too much, you know, yeah, and then attenuate the output. 
and then I go back in through um, through some nice SSLs or whatever, and, and then end up back in in the box. But I, I end up with a lot more RMS and a lot more punch, and based on the compression. I think there's a, there's there's something to do. There's something me and Bobby were having this discussion the other day. There's something um, with op amps, the way they interact yeah. when you pass through them. You know, the, the way that they kick in late to a sound, it allows the transient to pass through, but then it controls it in such a way. And if, I think if you take advantage of that and you you push it to its limit, then you end up with something like all the hip hop guys were doing back in the day and didn't even realise they were doing. You know, yeah. and and I've tried to emulate that kind of sound using plugins and for days on end, and I just can't. Like, like there's just nothing that can get there, or, or it can it can get there, but for me, it just sounds a bit too digital. It just sounds a little bit too sterile, in my opinion. I, you know, I talked to Mike Dean for days about this. That's Kanye West, um, producer and engineer, and um, we talk about this stuff. And he, he loves Ableton, and he loves using the built-in distortion tools in Ableton and everything. And I, I use those too. But for the most part, to increase RMS, and, you know, you said punch, though. So when I think of punch, I think of, of a sledgehammer hitting you yeah. in the chest yeah. in, in no, a club no. or at a festival, you know. Exactly. And that's something that I can only seem to attain out of um, using analog drum machines. Because I, I just can't get that out of, out of in, in the box. You know, unless... There, there, is, there is one tool, actually, I use FL Studio. A lot. Yeah. Compose my beats, right? Yeah. And that has a serious punch to it. It does. Like, it has a real nice knock to it. There's, there's something to do with the engine, or maybe it's the limiter that's on the output, or the, the way that just... just, just if, you've, if you haven't used it, try it. Try and run some sounds through it, but it's crazy. It has a sick punch to it. No, it sounds great. And especially for, for writing beats and hip-hop and yeah, stuff, yeah. it's just... It's, it's pretty magical. But even not, I mean, like, for instance, like Adriana Grande's um, latest song, right? I was listening to that on the radio the other day. It's a pop song. But if you listen to it, I can just blatantly tell that it was producing in FL. Like, you can just hear, like, it's got a certain groove, you know, it's 96 PPQ, it has yeah. a certain sound. And, um, and, and that's, it's punchy as hell, man. Like, so punchy. Whereas, like, Logic, for instance, a lot of people use Logic, obviously. And that's like, to me, Logic is anti-punch. It's like the opposite of punch. I don't know what Apple did when they bought it, but... <laughs> It's like, like your, it's like your best friend, right? I know. Apple, uh, I'm sorry, Rob. No, no, no. Logic is the progressive rock of the dog world. <laughs> <laughs> Rob's not a big Logic fan. Uh, I understand Logic. Oh, good, man. That makes two of us. Yeah, that's definitely. But that, that's, that's true, though, because yeah. I've been, like, <laughs> I go through so many types of plugins, so, you know, right. even the same, you know, how many 1176 and Poltex and LA2As and... And that, but what I do find, like sometimes between certain plugins and like some of the UAD stuff, all of a sudden there's a little clarity, a little more punch, a little more transient. And uh, I, I say I found that with uh, I'm a guitar player, and I found I have both modeling stuff and real pedals, and that's kind of found with the pedals. I pedals I have a little more clarity, a little more character, character a little more punch, a little more bite, a little more expression, and the other stuff's really close. But it kind of feels like it's slightly sandpapered and homogenized a little bit and not quite. So sometimes when I bite pick and I want to do stuff and I want to hear the actual guitar, right? Um, yeah, the real stuff kind of just goes there a little more. Speaking of pedals, did anybody see the new electroharmonics? Oh, organ? No, 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 no. The Mellotron pedal. Oh, oh. I heard about that. It is awesome and does does it make the guitar sound like a mellotron absolutely absolutely and there, that's there, smoking and it has 
orchestra, flutes, saxes, and all, all the different parts. And there's no latency at, at all. I don't know how they do so it. There's no like samples. Satin on the guitar, right? Yeah, yeah, you could. Wow. Uh, it's, it's just is, incredible. Is, is that the melodramatic plugin? Is that what it's no, called? Uh, no, it's the uh, uh, Mel Nine. M E L Nine. Mel Nine. Yeah, I yeah. just I'm just saying it here. Yeah, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. Electro awesome. Harmonics has figured out like they great like, sweet organ, organ. Yeah. always love Mellotron. <laughs> well, hey, hey, listen, we're gonna we're gonna take a break, um, and then when we come back, we're gonna actually Can visit I record with, the break. Get some celery <laughs> <laughs> with some punch, and we're gonna visit with. Uh, with Jess a little bit and he's going to talk to us a little bit about his career and we're going to pick his brain more because, you know, he's really giving us some good stuff. So, uh, we'll see you on the other side. You're listening to the Audio Nowcast sponsored by API and Westwave Audio. Have a question for the panel? Would you like to be a guest on the Audio Nowcast and live in the LA area? Email us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back to the Audio Nowcast. And before the break, we were talking about Punch, and we were talking about Logic and how it's the boxing glove of the audio world, as my good friend Don, who is actually a guest of Bobby, said, which is actually probably pretty accurate. And the other thing, too, is FL Studio. That is a great – that's probably – it's just an the unsung hero of a lot of uh, music, and it's it's just a punchy – it sounds great, and when Jess, when you brought that up, it's like, man, it's such a great sounding DAW. But let's um, um, just for some people that don't know, Fruity Loops. It is basically I didn't know <laughs> FL in, in England. Well, yeah, that's that's a sure. French letter, yeah, and which is a condom. So just <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, it started out. It started out as a as a consumer product called Fruity Loops way back in the yeah. day. Way back in the day, and it was it was like a it was it was a Windows version of like GarageBand. I mean, that's essentially yeah. where it started. Yeah. But then, man, it just grew into a monster of a production. And you get like the Signature Series or FL Production, the the big producer pack, and they have amazing um, uh, instruments. And then they have just the way you write, the way you can do the step writing is so – it's so different than anything else. And yet it's so musical. And if you have a touch – if you have a tablet, it, it the arrangements that you can do on the tablet because you can just touch the squares, it's, it's pretty cool. Okay, so here's the question that we were starting when we were between. Because right now, it used to be like – Okay, I was doing film, it was a controlled environment, I have subs, I knew what I was getting. And the TV, you had home theater, but now all of a sudden we've got phones, we've got tablets, we have speakers that don't go down that low. So the question I have is when you're doing hip-hop or, or music that really wants low bite punch, how are you mastering for all these huge amount of speaker options? Are you going for the... like? Are you going for the best speakers you have and good luck to whatever you're listening on? Or, yeah, or do you try to optimize for YouTube? Yeah. Um, no, it's a good question. Uh, I think, I think um, well, you know, for the most part, we're not mastering. We're, we're, we're mainly mixing our stuff, you know, and, record, and producing it. But when we do master it, we, we're making sure that we're hitting at minus eight to minus six loudness and obviously you know the loudness was and now we've got rms matching so we're kind of trying to back off that a little bit otherwise your peaks don't sound as loud as other people's stuff once it once it streams you know right so um so we're becoming aware of that but i think um 
in terms of like, I mean, you know, because we we record out of hotel rooms and tour buses, and um, not just recording studios. So when we're in those environments, you're right, it's hard. So you you got to take speakers with you and, and and work on headphones and whatever. But I think I think once you've done it, once you once you know how to get the punch, you either keep the sounds and use them again, <laughs> or or, or or you just use the process and just know that it's going to exist later down the line, and then you know you you either perform it that night or you you know you get another DJ to spin it in the club and you go and check it out and see how it sounds, and then you know what changes to have to make. Now, have you ever had something where you found that a normal headphones or normal speakers sounded good, and they put Doctor Beats on or they put Beats headphones on, and like think of the the low ends too much. I don't want to upset Mr. Andre, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, I've never been a fan to to, to, to really use the Beats headphones. Well, you to be fair, right there with Rob. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean they're yeah. they're fun to listen to, but you wouldn't want to have to trust them. Well, that's right, that's right. what happened to me. I had a client. They're like Bose and they said, the "Wow, thing. we really love your stuff, but." I think you're hitting the low end a little hard. <laughs> and I'm like, are you listening to Beats? And they're like, yeah. I said, don't. <laughs> Stop that. Well, yeah, because it's, you know, EQs. Well, hey, let's, uh, let's, um, let's spend some time really quick. And, and I wanted to, to talk to Jess. And um, you've had a great career. I mean, you've done a lot of really cool stuff from your DJ stuff to who you're working with now. Tell us a little bit about how you got started, how you got started in music no, started, and DJing. started. But, um, but no, yeah, yeah. Uh, Oh God! Uh, I started young, you know. I, I was like twelve, and a youth club near my mum's house, and uh, they had some turntables just dusted up in the corner, you know. And and and, and I found them, and I asked the, the assistant there to set them up for me. And they were the Technics twelve hundreds. I didn't know what they were. I just heard wow. it was cool. And there was one record, and I started scratching it and trying <laughs> Wait, to. Your dad's records, it. right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no. It was it was a youth club, right? So yeah. it was just like a couple of records on the on the floor and. And then, and then I started going off and buying the odd one here and there. And soon I had ten. And when I had ten, I could mix. I, I started learning how to mix them in time with each other. And you know, and, and then by the age of thirteen, I got. I started in the clubs. You know, I had. I had my mum. My mum's friend. He um, he was already DJing in the clubs in London. So he took me with him and allowed me to jump up on the turntables in the nightclub <laughs> Wow! At, at the age of 13. What was that like? That must have been pretty thrilling. Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> it's, it's kind of crazy, to be honest with you. It was like, um, yeah, it's this 13-year-old DJing in a club with all the girls flashing you. <laughs> I think it would be hilarious to take advantage of the situation. But uh, no, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and then uh, and then you did some pretty big gigs. I mean, I was I was reading some of the uh, people that you were um, did some gigs. And then you got signed by um, one of the who Pete Townsend, right? Was right, that his right. uh, his? How was that? How was that working it for him? It's amazing. Pete Pete is a, a very close friend of mine. It still is, and a, a lovely, sweethearted guy. Um, probably done more for my career than he would ever admit or even know. Wow. Uh, he, he took me in under his wing when I was about, I think, 18, 17, 18. And, um, and, and, and he bought me, he, he essentially gave me a, a publishing deal. And um, the publishing deal required me to make a certain amount of tracks, I think it was like 20 tracks for, for Eel Pie Publishing, his publishing company. And um, 
No, it was, it was super cool, man. And he, and, he, and he bought me a Logic rig and a Pro Tools rig and um, some basics and allowed me to choose the gear with him, you know. And, and he gave me full access to his studios in London, which was amazing. Wow. Because it's just, oh, it's like, it's just ridiculous equipment, you know, from rooms upon rooms of stuff. And, uh, and he mentored me, you know, he mentored me about, you know, I used to look at Neves and, 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 and different rat gear on his walls and just think, that stuff's so old-fashioned, man, I don't need none of that, I've got logic, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what are you doing all that for? <laughs> and, um, and he no, 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 Jess, come here, like, no, you called it to tape, man, and put it back in, it's going to sound so much fatter. Like, oh, man, no, I don't need to do that, man, no-one's doing that, you know what I mean? I'll just do this, go straight to record and then go and DJ it that night. He'd be like, no, seriously, try it. And, and he got me into really respecting the, the analogue domain and the old school way of doing things, you know. And, and, and Pete, he, he probably wouldn't even admit it, but he's a big, big nerd when it comes to, like, gear, you know. And he's, he's serious about his synths and modular synths and everything else. So, I mean, he's, he's, yeah, he's a serious guy when it comes to music. That's pretty awesome. Outside of just guitar playing, you know. And and how was it like doing DJs back at the time? I mean, were you going all over the world just just spinning, or did you did you hook up with the <laughs> festival? I mean, I know you played. Just if you go to your Wikipedia page, yeah. it tells all the people. I didn't even you- I had one actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, nice. No, I mean, DJing was was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm about to start up again. I mean, like, I you know I had a, I had my son and I, and I. You know, not to talk about it, but, you know, I wanted to get sober at the time because, you know, I, I was drinking too much, everything else, and, you know, I wanted to spend time with my son, so I stopped DJing and I, and I wanted to go into um, production, music production full-time. And that's where the transition happened because, really, I was just producing music so I could DJ it. And then when I got into music production, I realised that in the UK there wasn't a lot of demand for urban music. And even though there, I mean, there was a demand on the street level, but on a on a record label level at the time, it hadn't really gone global yet. Right. So, um, or at least at least it hadn't have gone it, it hadn't gone into the top forty domain yet in in the UK. So um, I remember taking meetings, and they were like, "This stuff's great and everything," but you're not in America. And I came out of the meeting thinking, "Well, then I got to fucking go to America," <laughs> <laughs> and I bought myself a ticket to LA. <laughs> And, and that was it. But yeah, I mean, you know, the, the DJ and D. I think I think being a DJ first before being a producer is a major asset. And I know Bobby knows this as well because he was a DJ first. But it teaches you how to read the dance floor and how to and it teaches you how to how to read emotion in music. Hmm. Yeah, which is super important because as a producer, you know when you hear a build-up or you, you feel a drop, you know how that's going to impact someone else. You can kind of visualise it. stage actor becomes a film actor. They have a different set of skills. Right, skills. exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something you can't, you can't... It's very funny. There's brilliant musicians that don't have that, that innate little... Yeah. Luck, you know, so it's yeah. On, on the other hand... Way back when, when there was a lot of clubs and you came up learning oh, your, your craft by playing oh, to, yeah. to 
crowds of, of people, you kind of learn that same thing. Although that, that, that doesn't happen as often anymore. But, but once upon a time, when you can play seven nights a week, you know. So, you, you, and bands used to play their record out before they recorded yeah, it. And yeah, they that's right. Out, oh, that middle eight doesn't work because everybody falls asleep. So yeah, yeah. You right. order a drink, so let's not do that. Right. So it was much the same thing. Very similar sort of thing. It's kind of cool when, when the audience and the performer becomes almost one. Right. And they're harmonious and they become this giant organism. Yeah. That are all in sync. Yeah, that's kind of cool. So, Jess, where did the where did the hip hop influence come in? Right. So, so, so um, from from the UK, I was doing a lot of drum and bass and and UK garage and two step and you know the underground kind right. of music right. and DJing in the raves and the um, the hip hop came out of. I mean, I was always a massive hip hop fan. Like real, I was I was a real big hip hop fan. You know, I always listened to Tim Westwood in the UK. You know, he's a good friend of mine and well now and. Um, not then, you know. I was, I was a kid in my bedroom listening to him on radio, and um, and I would I would tune in. You know, I was like one of the first in my neighbourhood on the internet as well. So I tune into all the all the the US stations and listen to what's going on over here. Right, and um, and you know, I try and use hip hop as influences in drum and bass and and in jungle and and you know acid house and all the different variants of music that we were making in the UK. And then when I eventually moved out here. Um, I just kind of levitated to it. Hip hop was the number one music out here at the time, right? And when was it, when was this? Like it, it was two thousand and three. Okay. So I remember the songs that were playing, and and you know I found this apartment downtown, and I moved in, and the first day I moved in, I was in the elevator, and there's this kid sitting who was standing opposite me in the elevator, and I looked out, I thought, how's this size? Wait, hold on, that's Fred Rose Star from Onyx. And I say, what's up to him? And it was Fred Rose Star from Onyx. <laughs> and so um, I say, hey, mate, I, you know, I just set a studio up in my apartment. You've got to swing by. And we started making music together. And that was like the first week that I moved to... <laughs> to LA that's uh, crazy yeah. that's like one of those stories that you yeah. you hear but you never would believe no, that's like, LA though isn't it right? it's like, you know what I mean you just say like, everyone does something right? Here, right that's that's so crazy that's yeah. right now there's going to be a bunch of people buying tickets to LA right <laughs> well uh, what's the difference that you saw in the music scene between the UK and and LA uh, and and you, you mentioned that hip hop w- was bigger here than it was there, but was there something else that you felt that was was different on on like a street level? Yeah, um, on a street level, I think uh, it's like what do you what do you mean exactly? Like what do you mean when, when you came over here? Yeah. What struck you as saying, "Wow, that's different." The sunshine. <laughs> the sunshine was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, now, I, I, the first thing I noticed when I first plugged my equipment in, you know, talking, talking about that, was that everything sounded different all of a sudden. Like, I noticed, wait, hold on, something's different. Like, I'm getting a different kind of knock out here. And it suddenly occurred to me that Voltage. Maybe the voltage, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah. it's a hundred and twenty out here, yeah. and it's a lower, lower resolution of hertz. And, and I've been running on two forty in, in the UK all this time. I thought, damn, that's how they get that sound. Because in the UK, we we got this very sort of like, like harsh, brittle, forward sound mm-hmm. almost. Yeah, that, that's the way I see it in my head, at least. Yeah, it might people might see it another way. It's very sort of forward and immediate and almost sort of brittle and sterile in a way and then when I came out here I noticed everything suddenly got loose 
and bottomy and kind of a bit more, a bit more, um, a, a bit more like jelly almost, a bit huh. more like you can massage the music. Yeah. It kind of, it felt different. I mean, nowadays everyone's on computers and Pro Tools is in all, I don't know, maybe it's not the case, yeah, but like... And- I would think it actually has as much to do with the difference in 50 hertz versus 60 hertz. Yeah, yeah. More right. than the voltage, but that could definitely do something. Also, voltage yeah, and current. Be, depends if it's analog gear. Yeah. 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 Voltage difference in power, power and voltage and current consumption and current relates to low frequency, so mm-hmm. possibly. It's it's a, I, know, I noticed something like that anyway, but what I, know, what I noticed was everyone, everyone was, was more organically creative out here. Yeah, I felt, like, I felt that on, on a street level out here, is, is you get with someone and you say, let's make some music, and we just make music. Whereas in the UK, there's terms and conditions and there's excuses. And, and, and the thing is, in, in the UK, I feel like, not to put the UK down, because I love my UK people and right, I love working right. with them and, you know, Tiny Temper and everyone is, um, you know what I mean? I love working with these guys, like, like so many talented people in the UK. And, but what I will say is that I feel like the UK, there's, there's like a sort of a, a hindrance to working together or like it's almost like um a suppress a suppressive ego type yeah. um, mentality just maybe it's like an old schoolness that comes from you know maybe the the war and suppression i, I don't know where it comes from right. but I, I, what i notice on the street level out here in the in in the us is that i just found people more open to creativity and there was like no holes barred. You could say whatever you wanted to say, and you could you could make the bass as low as you wanted to make it, and as loud as you wanted. And there's sort of like there's less rules out here. Huh. Whereas in the UK, I felt there was there was more rules, and that the A and Rs would turn their heads at most things. Whereas out here, that's know, so weird because see, I would have thought that it would be just the opposite. The opposite yeah. Right. Well, maybe the grass is greener. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> yeah. Well, and you know what? It all depends too. Is is who you're working with? Because if you're out here and you see someone from the UK come over, you might want to work with them just to get a different vibe and just to, yeah, to get the, a different perspective. But I think it's also generational. I think we're but right. You know what, though? It, what's interesting, though, when I listen and analyze production techniques from the UK, they always seem to be way ahead of what we're doing here in the States. Right. Always. I mean, there, there are... If there's going to be something that's cool that's happening, chances are it's going to happen there first than it does here. Right, right, right. At at least, you know, in terms of production techniques, layering. I mean, UK, there's always been many more layers than we have over here. For the most part, anyway, right, right, right. It, it's just so it wouldn't. It, I guess there is a grass is greener element. No, I, I, I agree with you, Bobby. Also, no, I agree. I agree with you, though. I think. Yeah. I think. I think that you know, obviously, the the, the way that we grow up listening to to we, first of all in the UK we got pirate radio. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you yeah. guys, you guys don't have illegal radio because it's it's uh, what was it FC, FCC, FCC over yeah. here, right? So yeah. so you, you stick up an antenna over here, you're going to jail for a long time. <laughs> Whereas in the UK, you get a slap on the wrist, and you know maybe they'll take your record collection at the most. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And like they'll take your transmitter and what you just build another one and put it up next week. <laughs> I didn't realize that there was that yeah. much pirate radio. I, yeah. I thought oh, no, that was no. something oh, from the past. Uh, no, pirate radio is massive in London. I've wow. DJs on pirate radio for seven years. So pirate radio is, 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 I think, the foundation of the next wave of music, always. Because, because the thing is, is, on commercial radio, they're just governed by 
you know, so many bodies, they don't get you. They don't get to say what gets played on the radio, even on the mix shows. There's terms and conditions and playlists and all the rest of it, right. and they're paid for whatever they play. So, you know, Pirate Radio is completely. It, it's, it's, it's just completely free for the DJ to play whatever they want. But it so was like that here. It yep, was uh, like that here at one point in time. And, and actually what stopped it was there was uh, a law that was was passed that basically said that uh, you can own more than five radio stations. And when that happened, uh, all of a sudden there was a lot of station groups mm. that had massive numbers of stations. And that meant that they used one consultant who made the playlist. So basically wherever you went across the country, that's what you heard. Where once upon a time... Every city had its own scene and its own radio scene, and exactly. hits would break out of of different parts of the country, right. and there'd be you know d- different tastes that would happen. And now it's just all homogenized because right, yeah. you know f- since about so 1984, true. I think. Very true. Yeah. You, you know, getting back to the uh, UK versus the US with different with the music techniques, I think one thing that plays into it is um, what type of music, though, because yeah. for instance, homegrown stuff like hip hip hop. Yeah. You know, when I was working with. Um, with Teddy Riley back in the 90s and it was, he was coming from the new Jack Swing and hip-hop was taking off and this is when Queen Latifah was a rapper. And, and, you know, back in those days, you know, they had all that production that was going on over at Larrabee Studios, which I'm sure you remember the Larrabee oh, yeah. Studios. Oh, yeah. That had a, a sound and a slam yeah. and a hit that was not like any place else. Yeah, you know, you yeah. couldn't... And then Teddy Riley did his whole thing over at Future Recording over in uh, Virginia Beach. And, and um, I mean, there was, some, there was some stuff that was happening here that oh, wasn't yeah, we, happening. We were looking at you guys for, like, how do they do that? Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, for instance, really quick, um, Teddy Riley had amazing drum sounds. I mean, that... Yeah. He, his drum sounds, if there was... The best thing about being his keyboard tech was I was I got to listen to a ton of his music mm-hmm. with the channel separated. His gun sounds and his snares were just punch and power. And he was doing stuff much like Scott was saying, where his snare wasn't just a snare. His snare was a, a snare on top of a um, a, a gunshot and mm-hmm. with a glass break, yeah, you know. Yeah. And it would just give you that. And, and it was just crazy stuff like that. But you know, you know what's funny? Uh, you, know, you talk about the grass is always greener. Uh, I wrote a book with Ken Scott, who was one of the five Beatle engineers, right? And way back in 1968, when he was in mastering at Abbey Road, he would say that they would get Motown records in, and they'd go, how the hell do they do that? How do they get that bass? How do they get that low end? And everybody, all the engineers over there would be trying to figure out how it was ha- happening. And there were songs that would, to us were throwaways over here. And to those guys, they'd be analyzing and going, how the hell did he do that? And we'd be doing the same thing to their stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. So it's, right. you know, yeah. I guess it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's funny how always everybody else's mix sounds better than the one you Yeah, Let's move forward. Yeah. So you, you came over here. You've right. got this amazing, you know, in the elevator, right. this connection. Oh, yeah. um, we're where did you, where'd that take you from there? When was your when was your next big milestone moment? Um, um, yeah, so so I met um, I met I met a, a rapper a kid called Tiger in um, uh, Will Smith's studio uh, called Boom Boom Room in in about two thousand and seven I would say two thousand and six, and um, he was just working on some stuff. I was working on another album for an artist in the UK, and. Um, and uh, his 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 engineer had uh, not turned up for a session, 
And so one of his friends, who I knew, said, do you want to jump into this room real quick? It's this kid, Tiger. And I'd heard about him anyway through other people who had told me there's this kid. And um, I said, this is, I just need some help cutting a vocal real quick. I said, I don't mind, sure, I'll help him out. And so I ran in there and, um, and we clicked and he was just using the same stuff that I had at home anyway. So I said, hey, bro, come, come over to my place this week and let's, uh, you know, let's vibe. Right? We can do some stuff out of mine. And we pretty much did everything for the last seven years out of my apartment. Really? Yeah, from then on, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and then yeah, we did some, we did a... Uh, we did a bunch of mixtapes together, and the mixtapes were amazing because that enabled him to get signed to Cash Money Records, which right. is essentially Universal. And, uh, and you know, he got signed to Universal, and then um, and, and then that was it. We never looked back. You know, it was just like touring and uh, yeah, put a studio in his house in Calabasas, and yeah, it sort of changed everything. That's great. It's uh, amazing. That's pretty awesome. And uh, do you ever like just pinch yourself when you're in the middle <laughs> of a project? And you're like, oh. I mean, I stay grounded. You know what I mean? So it's like I have to, you know, you know, we make sure we, I make sure I stay really grounded. You know, I, we make sure that um, I reflect on the things. I try not to. I try not to do things too big. You know, in terms of like working out too big a studios or. Do 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 certain unnecessary things just because we can. Like I like the idea of still working in small spaces right. with little uh, little amounts of equipment and 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 keep it super basic, you know. Because you, can, I think you can get carried away and then lose your sound essentially from from uh, be, being able to just use whatever you want. What is your sound? If you had to define your yeah. sound, what what is it? Um, I'd say it's uh, I'd say it's punchy and ballsy. <laughs> 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 I say I say it's ballsy. Yeah, I, I like to hit people with unexpected drops and uh-huh. and and hit them in the gut. And what's speak, what the biggest you like to use? NS10s. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. okay. yeah. oh, that, my, that's my favorite speaker. That's awesome. That is that's yeah. so. I love them. Because you know why? And it's tens and Augsburgers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's like over... Oh, and Augsburgers. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's the punch. Yeah. There's the punch. At 11. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that is tens, man. Come on. All those great R&B from the 90s. All those yeah, great... All, all, all that, tens, all that right. early yeah. hip-hop stuff. And it was all NS10s. It was, it was no, amazing. I, I, just, I, just, I just can't mix on anything else. It's not that I, it's not that I really like them. Because I don't really does. like you know them. them. <laughs> it's, well, it's not, I don't even know if I know them. I might know them. You, you know them by yeah, now. I probably know them. <laughs> but it's just, it's just everything else I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Do you use the crinkle trick? What's that? Oh, what, the tissue paper on the no, front? No, 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 no. What's the crinkle trick? <laughs> uh, Dave Pensato, who, you know, great mixer that he is, uh, would look at the cone, and when the cone would wrinkle a certain way, he knew he had the low end right. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, the problem with that is if it wrinkles too much, you need a new woofer. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Exactly. replace the fuse. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you think about about the the evolution of hip hop nowadays and some of the sounds? I mean, yeah. if you look at it from way back in the '90s when it started, and and you know, MPC sixty and right. and a couple of discs, and you had yourself a record, and it sounded great. I mean, MPC sixty was awesome, and those mm-hmm. pads. I mean, I, I I did many tours when that was like being played as a keyboard even before it was hip to play those things as a keyboard and stuff like that how, how do you feel about the the evolution of the hip-hop sound because yeah it's interesting i think um i saw it happen when um 
uh, in, in around sort of 2006, 2005, when more people were leading away from the MPC. Right. And, and working with things like um, Logic and FL Studio and uh, what else was around then. They weren't really on Cubase. A so performer much. and someone yeah. on Cubase. It was yeah. Mate, I think most people on FL or um, oh, um, the sonar logic. stuff, all the cakewalk, on, cakewalk was on was the window bad. side. Yeah. On the window side, yeah. And my, most people I knew was either logic or or, or it was. Um, I just know. I just noticed a, a lot of groove got lost in that in that era, and um, it, it was a sad time for me because I because you know I think that the MPC is. You know, even if you don't know what you're doing with it, it just gives you it just gives you such a sick groove. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. It's just like it just has the way Roger Lynn designed it. It's it's just even if it ha- if it, even if it's set at fifty percent groove, so it's meant to be completely straight sixteens. It just has a groove. Yeah, no, it has right. a swing factor yeah. that's, yeah. that's yeah, yeah, right. crazy. And he and said something about the chick can't keep up with the quantize Asian whatever. So therefore, that's why it falls behind itself, kind of and like and it and it sort of plays like a real drummer plays. And that's what I always liked about it. Yeah. And, and it has the, the op-amp punch that we talked about. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's sort of like, it was a one-stop shop for so many years. Well, I just heard the- about the, the Roger Lynn, <clears throat> the original story about Roger designing the drum machine. And Jamie Oldecker, who was uh, Eric Clapton's drummer for like 11 albums, was there when it happened. Apparently what it was, they were sitting in, uh, they were doing a session at... Um, Oh, keyboard player from Oklahoma, uh, long hair. Uh, can't think of his name. You know him uh, from. Anyway, they're doing the session, and he turned around and he said, "You know, if only." And, and they're using one of those early drum machines, you know, boink boink boink, you know. Yeah. And he said, "If okay. only we had a drum machine that sounded like real drums." And Roger was the engineer. He went boink, and he went and he bought a TRS eighty. Seriously? Yes, TRS-80, and, and programmed from that and found these big, long memory, or big memory 128, chips. 128. 128, yeah, that he could put samples in, and that's the way it started. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Leon Russell. It was a Leon Russell studio. Leon Russell well, the was the thing, guy. Yeah. One of the things about the MPC, I really think one of the things that helped sell it and make music was the way the pads felt, right? I mean, the yeah. pads on an MPC felt... You could actually use them, right? Yeah, just right. they felt gorgeous. They yeah. they had, to the they had as these, compared to yeah. the Lindrum, right? Exactly, yeah. as a, compared to the ones that looked like buttons, <laughs> yeah. right? The SP twelve, SP twelve, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like you had this like really spongy feeling yeah. thing, and you're like, gung gung gung. I mean, that one bass that came with the factory samples that just rang forever, yeah. bang. You know, yeah. it was just a sine wave built in, wasn't it? Yeah, so it was. As soon as you was, turned it on, you got a sine wave. It, it was a, it was a great and man. I'll tell you the other thing too is is it was very um, durable. I mean, those suckers yeah. could handle tours. You know, I've seen them dropped and all kinds of stuff. And well, and every uh, every DAW manufacturer came out with their version of the MPC grooves. Like they would say, okay, now you can add the MPC grooves to Cubase or Performer or whatever. <laughs> and it was never the same. Never the same. Because yeah. the MPC had its sound partially because the circuitry was having a hard time. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you couldn't model that. I mean, maybe now you could, but right. back then you couldn't. Well, she so, got uh, Roger, Roger Lynn on the show. <laughs> yeah, he'd be good. You just yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, I know, I know what Roger. What am I going to sure. say, no? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Roger, Dave, and Tom. <laughs> we could okay. do that. We could do that, yeah. Sure. Um, yeah you should do I know Roger and, and Dave would. 
Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know Tom. I don't know Tom that well. Yeah, Tom Actually, it felt weird. I met Tom Oberheim for the very first time at this NAM show. I mean, yeah. the guy has influenced my life and so many other people's lives. Yeah. And I've known others since God's like that forever, just for some reason, not Tom Oberheim. Yeah. And he seems like a nice guy. Yeah. So, uh, so Jess, let me, let's just, um, you know, we're going to have to start wrapping it up. I mean, I, we could talk all night, but um, what were some of your favorite projects that you've worked on? What were some of the... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, working with um, uh, uh, Justin Bieber, he's so talented, and working with Chris Brown, super, super talented guys. I mean, you know, Justin, he can play drums, guitar, bass, I mean, just multi-instrumentalist. White kid from Canada. Yeah, yeah. Not well, really his like. last album got really good reviews, yeah, and you know what? I, it's it's a really good record. It really is. He's 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 a superstar. He's really he's he's amazing. I mean, Chris Brown too. You know, he's uh, used auto tune a lot. He's engineer um, uh, uh, Brian Springer, very good <laughs> friend of mine, and. Uh, but but you know Chris doesn't need to use it. He's like he's a beast of a singer. His harmonies. I mean we we knock out songs in ten minutes. Like no no joke. Like go in the booth ten minutes top to bottom done. Wow. Like and that's written as well. Like that's like writing on the spot on the mic. Like that's a beast. he's a beast. Wow. A serious 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 beast of a singer. Wow. Like amazing. And and you know I, there's a lot of guys that I like working with in the UK like Emanek and Gorgon City and. You know, I worked on, I produced a song on Rudimental's album as well. It's a lot yeah. of fun, you know, did like a drum and bass kind of one recently. And there's a lot of talented guys out there, you know. But, um, but yeah, for sure, you know, Chris and, and Justin, they're, they're different kind of human beings. I don't yeah. know how they get so much talent. It's crazy. Well, you know, you, even you listen to that, you, it's kind of like, like the evolution of, of hip-hop. I mean, things are just mm-hmm. moving forward. I, you know, one thing I've noticed about, about hip-hop and the way some people are, are taking it, it's very – well, it's going to sound like a rip, but I don't mean it that way. But there's, there's, it's getting musical, and there's just these musical elements that are just amazing. For instance um, – It sounds like a rip. Well, <laughs> no, but like <laughs> – but like um, Dr. Dre's Compton, um, talk mm-hmm. about it. That that chorus in that song mm-hmm. is just so gorgeous and so lush and and musical. And it's just, I mean, it's really cool to see the the combination and where things are going. And um, yeah, so it's it's well, going to be exciting. I think you know with with hip hop at the moment, hip hop hip hop is staying quite street. You know, they're using a lot of fake sound still, and it's, it's staying in the box. Whereas I think. Because I'm doing a lot of other genre stuff now. I'm doing my own DJing thing again now, which is like EDM, more bass, sort of right. deep, deep house, tropical house, kind of more, more organic kind of stuff. And I think that scene is going a lot more organic now. People aren't using auto-tune so much. People are going back to maybe not even tuning vocals, like just going back to like recording things with uh, U47s yeah. and Leaves yeah. and LA2As and... People are going a lot more organic now, and you know, going back to guitars and grand pianos, and so it's nice. It's nice that it's going back to that right. because you know, with with the infusion of dance music, sure. and you're going to see it this Coachella as well because it's like you know, it's going to be, you know, dance music is no longer 128 BPM. I mean, EDM's dead now. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that's the latest word on the street. Yeah. So now we're working at 103 BPM, which is like your tropical house tempo, and then you got. Um, 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 120, which is like deep house tempos, and that's as fast as it gets now. 
which is nice, you know, because yeah. all that dun dun is it's too much for us, you know what yeah. I mean? There's only so much you can take. Yeah. Well, you know, there's something really cool about a slower groove. I right. mean, there really is. There's just something. It gives you a moment to kind of to soak it all in. Well, you it, know? And also, it's, it's, it's the emptiness that Scott was talking about earlier. So it's like, if, and this is something that Pete taught me early in my career was, you know, you, you only get loudness if you've got silence. Sure, right. right? Yep. So, so, you know, if you just got a brick wall of noise, your ear attenuates that and suddenly it's all quiet. Whereas if you've got silence before a kick drum, complete silence, yeah. you know, yeah. not even reverb tailing off into it, and then you've got that kick, that's going to hit you a lot harder. So tempos, like you said, at, at those kind of tempos, right. you know, it, it allows you to create more silence and, and it crea- allows uh, more dynamics. But still, you know, you can still have your track loud. Uh, yeah. The Japanese call that beauty of space. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's nice. Right. Jess Jackson, ladies right. and gentlemen. Oh, We're going to end on that because that, that was just profound and that was awesome. And um, it's been such a pleasure to have you here, Thank Jess. You. you are yeah, welcome no. to come back. Thanks for and, having me. Um, it, it's great. And your story is really ins- it's inspirational. It really is. And it's just, you know, just it's, it's really cool. You know, it's really cool. And I think it just shows, you know, if you're passionate and, and you just sometimes you have to make your own you have to make your own luck. You have to make your own breaks. And if you hadn't moved out here and you hadn't been in that elevator, you know, it just had wouldn't have happened. So um, that's really great. Well, hey, listen, um, if you guys have any comments or questions, you can reach us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com. That's audio at nowcastnetwork.com. So, guys, this is uh, – we're going to pretty much finish 10 years with this show. Our next show is going to be our 10-year anniversary. But can you imagine 10 years? Who would have thought? Right? That's crazy. I mean, I, and we'll talk about this on the next show, but originally when we started the podcast yeah, – 10 years ago, I had long blonde hair. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I – thought, we were going to do four shows. <laughs> I was like, okay, I got enough to talk about for maybe four shows. <laughs> 170 shows later, you know, so wow. it's great. And the really great thing is is you guys are still here, and we've added some amazing, you know, panel members and guests and stuff like that. But, you know, Bobby and Scott and, and Rob, and, and I know Martin, and he'll be here at the next one. So it's really great. Um, but we're the, uh, fi- we're the first six. Is that so? Yeah. 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 scary. The next guy to come aboard was Andrew. That's uh, right. Yeah. And he's now in, in England. And he's in England yeah. now. So. Yeah, his attendance record is uh, the only one worse now. than yours. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but we had some, you know, Bill. We had Bill. Yeah, Bill, of course. Oh, know. Bill sends his regards, by the way. I oh, yeah. with him a bit. And he'll, you know, if he lived out here, he would be with we us. We should and get Forrest, him all over. If, if, Forrest, we should get him know? all over if we're going to do it. We're going to do a 10-year. Oh, yeah, we're going to do it. It'll, it'll, be, a, it'll be a blowout. We'll, we'll do something fun. It'll be something fun. Yeah. We should do we should get Jesse. can come and spin. I'll set up my vinyl. <laughs> we, we do a DJ. We do a DJ. Let's do it, man. I'm ready. That, that'll be the slamming. I'll, I'll, set, slamming. Up, I'll, set, up a ta- I'll set up a piano for you. Guitar nice. for you guys. And yeah. I'll bring, and I'll bring my iPad Pro. Give me your iPad. <laughs> and I'll be by the bar, so carry on. You're making wrong skates. I'll bring the skates. But, but it's, it's been great. We'll, we'll <laughs> talk about it more on the next show. But anyhow, um, yeah, it's awesome. And you guys are awesome. And uh, it was really great. Uh, Rob, you working on anything you can talk about? Anything fun and exciting? Actually, this podcast, nothing I can talk about right this moment. I, I continue to travel like a crazy person. And I'm going to be doing a lot of traveling. This will be the third podcast in a row where I go straight to the airport. Actually, it'll be tomorrow morning I go oh, to the airport. Good. But 
try to schedule it because I skyped in for so many. I've been trying to come in person. It's been great being in person with you guys. Oh, awesome! Yeah, it's great. It's great to have you here. Like I said, you're all, you're a little more funnier when you're in, here in real life. Well, if I'm in the same time zone, at least I'm awake. <laughs> but uh, nothing I can actually uh, talk about at the moment. All right. Jess, are you working on anything you wanna you wanna plug or anything? Wanna, where, where can people hear your music? <laughs> nah, we've you know? got a lot of secret stuff happening okay. at the moment, but um, yeah, you can go to SoundCloud forward slash Jess Jackson. There could be something up there soon. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That'll be really cool. Um, that's going to be pretty awesome. So, Brandon, how about yourself? I know you have uh, been taking a little break, but how's yeah, things going? Yeah, taking a break for a while, doing a lot of uh, non-audio stuff, working on getting a little internet business up and going, and. Uh, mm-hmm. Trying to get some revenue coming in that way, and then actually got a call today to go back to doing some trailer stuff. You know, so I'm doing a, I can't say project or names of anything, but um, doing a remix of a, another sort of a trailerized remix of a classic rock song. It's because you, yeah. your talent, bro, you can't keep you down. <laughs> Seriously, you're the best at that, and that, that's in this town that says a lot. And so you, yeah, it's nice to be back. You really are doing some audio stuff. Finally, dusted off my rig. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, every With time I hear switch, oh, yeah. <laughs> Mad Max, those big hits and stuff. It's just he's the king of the hits. You want a big hit? You want a big? It's it's pretty awesome. Can't say that in this room. King of the Hits is over here. Wow. <laughs> no, he's the king of the gunshot. Actually, shoot no. him up. Shoot him up. I saw that movie. That 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 the hero of the Paul's gun. Yeah. That thing is a monster gun sound, man. Yeah, that's with the NASCARs and all that. That is a monster. You want a gun sound. If you want to Well, the whole movie's about guns. I know, but his gun. His need, gun is like a you? it's like a tiger Hard that, that bodies, leaps yeah. out and it's gonna bite you. I need some samples gun. Um, Bobby, how about yourself? You working on anything? I'm actually not at the moment. I had my knee operated on a cup two weeks ago, right. so I had to stop working on it basically. But my knee's getting good. Um, before that, I was doing actually Robbie Williams doing a new record, and I started giving him that little hand. He's cutting some vocals. And nice, sounding really good. And now I'm doing starting off on TV music, most probably next week. Start b- get back and doing some stuff for uh, basically uh, for, for ABC's. Were you da- were you nominated for an Emmy again for this yeah. past? Yeah. Oh, but I've, cool. I've missed it, so that's five in a row I've missed. Yeah. <laughs> so now the guy at the tuck shop is like, I'm not you again. You're not going to win. Why don't you bother going? <laughs> Come on. Uh, it's your nomination. That's yeah. a pretty big Show deal. up in a T-shirt. You'll win. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Show <laughs> up at the barman at the place. He's like, Bob, how you doing, buddy? You know, here we go. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, Scott, Mr. King of all sound effects. Oh, God. Are you working on uh, anything fun and exciting that you can talk about? Mm. You know, I'm... Um, I moved over to a new company, right? And I've been uh, you, you have some old crew and have some new crew. So I'm building a brand new company or division or whatever we want to call it, part of the, this existing company. And you know, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to use what I know and learn what I don't, and get other people's impressions and questioning everything that I've done and trying to to see things differently or, or the same. I know it sounds really weird, but using technology and uh, I've got a nice little budget, so I'm buying lots and lots of gear. Nice. Or at least right now I'm looking at buying lots of gear. <laughs> you know, and uh, trying to figure out, you know, what did I like, what I did, and what could I do better? And also I've got other influences with my team that have brought people from different places. And you know, oh, we're thinking about it this way. Well, have you thought of that thing? We're like, ooh, what's that thing? So right now... It's not only going with what I know, it's going with what I hear 
and uh, own new speaker systems, new setups. I'm really excited. I want to find uh, new interfaces, new ways of utilizing uh, many types of interfaces for different technologies, but heavily getting into VR and AR. So I feel like I climbed the mountain thinking I was at the top of the mountain only to find a valley full of mountains. <laughs> so now I feel everything that I knew I don't know anymore. So I got to learn it again. So. That's awesome. Yeah, Bobby O, how about you? Are you working on anything you can uh, talk about? Any new books coming out? Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, there's three of them. There's, uh, let's see, the fifth edition of uh, Music 4.0. It's Music 4.1. About to come out the second edition of the Music Producer's Handbook. Second edition of the Drum... Drum recording handbook. That's what, it, <laughs> I forget what it's called sometimes. And um, a couple of more online courses and um, a couple of music projects that I'm working on that when they get closer to the end, I'll talk about. Nice. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to totally put you on the spot right now. But can we do a uh, book giveaway for our uh, 10-year anniversary? Oh, sure. Signed? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, whatever you like. See? Yeah. I'll put you on the spot right yeah. <laughs> No problem. And the scary thing is we'll do that giveaway in three weeks, and he hasn't even started writing that book yet. <laughs> <laughs> and it will be the fourth book he's written <laughs> since now. <laughs> How about you, Mike? Um, well, actually, right now I'm, uh, I'm working with a friend of mine, and we're doing uh, some VR stuff. We're specifically going to focus on um, – VR video. Um, so essentially, since I mixed the picture anyhow, we're going to be mixed into um, VR video, which is moving pictures in VR and a non-gaming engine setup. So we're not using gaming engines. We're using traditional methods. So you're doing VR 360? Yeah, but we're going to – exactly. We're gonna, so like anything you see like uh, on uh, VR 360, the Google stuff, or um, Gear VR, even Oculus. But a lot of stuff in Oculus um, is uh, – you know, runs in gaming engines, but we're specifically doing non-gaming engine type of VR mixing. That's uh, it's it's basically if you had a video and you shot it in 360 as opposed to shooting it. In you're a, just doing the mixing, or you're doing the production do, as well. No, we're going to do the mixing. We're going to do the sound design. And we're actually yeah. doing a little bit of consulting for acquisition out there because um, we want to keep people from making mistakes when they're out in the field and stuff like that. Because they'll do stuff like um, we've had some stuff that was recorded um, binaurally, which if you do binaural audio, it locks you into a perspective. Yeah, sure. And then they're going to say, okay, and then you know, the person's going to turn their head and, and you're locked into that perspective of looking there. So it's like – no, don't don't do that. Look, we can do a lot of fun little tricks and things like that, and the, and the, and playback and things like that. That you can, you can um, Oculus has some really good uh, plugins that they give away for free. They give away all this stuff for free. So it's like, don't do that, you know. If and and so um, and like Scott, like we Are talked about Unity last time, or uh, Unreal or no, I'm using Pro Tools, and we're using we're using Gear VR headsets, and we're, we're but doing then the stuff. playback within the actual VR, it's going to play back within the actual video on right. like Milk VR and some of these special VR players that right, are playing right. back. But it's 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 totally non gaming. There's enough guys that are getting out there in the gaming side of stuff, you know, like like Scott and stuff like that. But I'm I'm thinking more of the traditional. Um, a guy goes out and and let's say we record the podcast in 360, and so now we want to mix the so podcast. Put, put the camera right in the middle here. Exactly. People can watch the podcast. Exactly. And yeah. so mixing that, you know, getting all the mics, make sure they're all placed, and then putting a little bit of ambience and, and stuff like that. How long does it take? 
<laughs> it's it it takes a little bit only because you're mixing we're mixing five one but we're thinking in surround right i yeah. mean essentially that's what we're doing it's it's a five one so we have a center and and most projects actually do have a center there's there's a point of you know when you open whatever it is you're you're gonna have a, a perspective it's gonna be there and and a lot of times with the video you're kind of guided you know, they the director knows where he wants people to look. You have the ability to look everywhere, but in reality, they still want you to look certain places. Whether it's how the camera is, or what's happening, or how the action is. Even if you have people around 360, there's still some guy doing something somewhere. You know that that's kind of the key thing. Yeah, but so, how long does it take in, in compared to a normal mix? It's you know, it, it's actually not that much. Once you've kind of set your rules, you know, the hardest thing was kind of setting up basically my template, you know. But once you kind of set your rules and how you're going to approach this, um, it, it's kind of – we're making stuff up. So, yeah, yeah, but you yeah. can go faster now. Yeah, I can go faster only because I've made enough mistakes. <laughs> okay. How about tools? Do you need – are there tools that yeah, you need? A, you need the, the Waves NX plugin. All right, that's your best friend. That's yeah. going to – and then you need a Gear VR. You need some way to do it. And you need – you already have to have the – the uh, video already should be done. You the, know? T- the tools are available, you're saying? Yeah. There's nothing – like it's a little – you kind of have to rig stuff up. There's there's no way to play back video, um, VR video into goggles off of Pro Tools yet. Um, so we do a lot of countdown, a lot of, okay, ready, here you go, boom. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. But – It'll get there. And then when you do mix to flatten – and I talked about this on that yeah. a couple podcasts ago. When you do mix to a flattened movie, you just got to remember the farthest point away from you in that movie is the closest thing you see. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to think backwards. The stuff that you see that's right here, that, don't make that loud. It's that stuff that's that's out there in the in front of you. So it's kind of fun. I, I, I don't know. I, I just think – you know. I, I just want to be ready and, and ahead of the curve on the video side to see like that. They're doing great stuff with gaming engines and things like that. That's a whole different ball game. But we're we're kind of doing more um, cinema style mixing um, for VR, specifically for VR video. So we'll see what happens. Um, but anyhow, guys, this has been a, a great podcast. And uh, Jess, thank you so much. Thank you. And I also want to thank Delbert Hunt, who's helping us engineering. Yeah. And Del, you know, Delbert, man, his career VO artist is just taking off. He's voicing all kinds of fun and exciting things. Um, hey, Delbert, come out here really quick, super quick. <laughs> Foley. Hey, what, what were what? Tell some of the projects that you've voiced. Come on, you've done some really cool stuff. Um. Well, the big one's the TV show. I'm doing a TV. It's a new show. It'll be coming this year i think and so i did i did narration for the first six episodes that's brilliant nice give us an example and, well he did the he did chrysler he did chrysler right. commercial he did some chrysler. amazing well, stuff let's hear a chrysler commercial yeah. give us a podcast, Come on, give us, give us podcast a. commercial podcast commercial oh man i was just gonna you're listening to the audio now cast come on give me one. you're listening to the audio now cast <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm warmed up. <laughs> no, it's some golden pipes. He's, really, he's done some stuff. Really, so, uh, really. I, I worked on it. I, I can't mention it because it's not out, but we did a couple branding, uh, major brand uh, commercials that he's done the VO for. He's, his career is taking off pretty Good soon. You, I'm going to be setting up gear for him. <laughs> 
All right. Well, hey, for myself and all the guys, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. See ya. Listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and West Wave Audio. The Audio Nowcast is hosted by Mike Rodriguez and uses Aphex's 230 Master Channel Voice Processor. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.